For those who haven't been with us as we've been going through 1 Peter, we want to say welcome. Uh, we hope that you can catch up online to where we are. It has great import to what we'll be speaking about today. We'll be in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, so if you have your Bibles, feel free to turn there. If you need a Bible, you don't have it on your phone or whatever, there are also Bibles in the back there. You can grab one and take one home with you as well. Uh, we would love for you to have a copy of the Word of God to keep uh, close to you. I'm going to begin by reading chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 uh, this morning, and then we'll follow up a little bit later with the last uh, verse. But today, let me begin in verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Here we are talking about, on Mother's Day, wives. There aren't as, and oh, you're kind of going, what? Uh, well, this is where we are in the scriptures, and I think it's very appropriate. I, you're going to appreciate uh, the word of God today as it uh, redeems the marriage relationship. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if, I, even if some do not obey the word, as in the husbands, that they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry or, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped, God, hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Peter is getting at something in 1 Peter that we need to hear. He is speaking to exiles. He's speaking to God's people who are living amongst those who have no real reference to the God that they serve. They are living where there are different customs, there are different practices, there's different ambitions, there are different hopes. There's a different work ethic, there's a different reason for being, there is, everything is different. They are living as exiles in a foreign place. So Peter is telling these Christians, you are chosen exiles. You have a, a, a reason to be there. That you should look at the world around you and not accept it just as it is, but evaluate the world according to the kingdom principles. The people of God have been exiles before. We see our first exiles, those exiles who, who left Jerusalem, were taken for Jerusalem, and, and, they, they, and, and all of Israel in two different ways, and they go to a place that is not their own. They are taken into captivity. And there in captivity, we learn about some of our first well-known exiles, and that would be Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these are those exiles who are living in this foreign place with foreign customs. And they are learning what it is to be exiles in a unique place. And in fact, how they are to be unique in a foreign place. And so they can't just observe, they can't just observe and do what is happening in the world around them. In fact, that becomes the first issue, doesn't it? If you remember the story uh, of the, these young men who are serving in the court, 
They are, they are chosen of all the Israelites because they are young and smart and handsome and, and they, are, they are brought in to be hopefully uh, part of this new kingdom. That's what the, the Babylonians are thinking. And they bring them in and, and they then have them follow the customs of the people. But they're not willing to follow the customs of the people. They get special permission. They have a special vision of a different kind of diet, to do things a different way, to not eat off the fat of the table of the king, but to eat just vegetables and, and, and drink water, not to, not to get to eat, eat and, and be like everyone else. And they get permission for do, to do this. And, and so they live out as a unique people. As, you, as we've been in 1 Peter, we saw that they, these are called a holy people, a people who are set apart. And so they are living as set apart, yet in. You see, they are in, but they are set apart. They're unique and different. They're still following the will of God, even if it's going to cost them something in position or in place. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are faithful, and God blesses that faithfulness. We see that with, with David, it's going to, uh, with Daniel, it's going to cost him his life. He's, he's thrown in the, the lion's den. For Shadrach and Meshach, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're going to lose their life. They're going to be thrown into the fiery pit. But God, right? <laughs> he sustains them and provides for them as they are faithful to him. They are, they are learning how to live underneath the authority of some other, to be subject to those authorities yet live a holy life. As we have seen Peter address the Christians in Asia, we have to remember the Christians that were, the, 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 the people of God that were in their own exiles. Can you imagine working for someone who believes that they are God? The man who believes that they are God. Uh, it's a challenge. As we see, have seen Peter address the Christians in Asia, telling them they are the, in the line of Daniel. They are exiles, just like him. In the line of the exilic prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah. In the, in the line of Queen Esther and Mordecai. He's addressing now modern-day exiles, his modern-day exiles. Chosen at that, Peter addresses them in the way that God speaks to exiles in hostile places. They are to be taken, they are to take the way of Christ. They are to take the way of God as it has always been. And now we, we have these same words to us in our modernity, in, in our time, in our, our situation. We are, care, we are called as those who are chosen exiles. And we too have to learn to live counterculturally. But not as subversives, but as subjects. Wait a minute. We're not to live as subversives in the culture, but to be as subjects in the culture. We, we are to follow, uh, we, are to, to not, we are to live underneath those who even think that they are gods. <laughs> or have the powers of gods. And we are to live in subjection to them, not as subversives. We are not meant to destroy the institutions, but to redeem them. This is the way of the people of God. We are to live out the good news of Jesus Christ, to live as those who have an eternal reward, those 
who have their hope set in heaven, one that can't be taken from us, one satisfying our deepest longings. We have uh, an internal hope that gives us courage in the moment, as the Bible says, against momentary afflictions. And Lloyd in heaven says, amen right now. You couldn't hear him, but he's saying it right now. For we have a hope. This is the way of Christ. Although he is divine, although he is the Trinity, he is the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, he subjects himself to the authority of the Father. Not because the Father is greater, not because the Father has more importance, but he subjects himself to the Godhead. So Jesus was one who lived under the submission of the Father, and he lived under the rule of human institutions. Right? What? In the very telling moment of Jesus' temptation, you remember he's in the wilderness. And Satan comes to him and he tempts him with several things. One is to, to get his immediate needs met. And Jesus overcomes the temptation. And then he takes him to the highest place and he shows them all the kingdoms. And he says, these can be yours. You can have that reign right now over human institutions. And all you have to do is turn from the direction you're going. And Jesus says, no. He says, you can jump down from here and the angels will lift you up. And it's true, but he would be claiming the authority and the power that God had said, no, I want you to be subject in these moments. If our God would act that way, how much more should we act? This is the, the way of Jesus. Those temptations are demonic. It is a clear contrast between the way of the world in the way of Jesus. And now we can even see more clearly the submission of Jesus. It would cost him what appears to be all earthly good. His life, his position, his power. He lost everything. He lost everything. Everything that the world around him would treasure. A comfortable place, a home, friendships, respect, honor, a long life. All the things that we hold dearly to, security. He, he, he left those things. He, those things that we treasure, he, he, he saw a much greater good. Even the closest ones around him would turn against him. But Jesus would submit because it is the way of the Lord. And so he died on, a, on our behalf with a beaten body. And he calls on us to follow him. the one who calls himself the way, the truth, and the life. And now Peter, in, the, in, in his epistle to these churches in Asia, and especially in Turkey, now, now he applies the way, the truth, and the life in several contexts. We started with that last week. We saw that he applies them to human institutions when he talks about gov uh, governments and, and emperors, when he, when he talks about the relationship between slaves and masters or employees and employers. And now he's going to uh, apply it to the institution of marriage. 
He's going, to inst- he's going to look at how is he going to, we're going to look at how he is going to redeem that institution. This precious, unique relationship in all of the kingdom of God. As we look at this marriage relationship, we, we see that he applies marriage, the relationship of marriage to his relationship to Israel and, and Christ's relationship to the church. The, the institution of marriage is, isn't like the institution that we've studied before. We, it, it's, it isn't like the government. It, it isn't exactly like the employee and the employer. It, it is a unique God-ordained institution, and he's going to get a lot of glory out of it. You see, as Peter is applying the way of Jesus to the institution of marriage and the, the other, these other institutions, when he applies it, it's going to be countercultural. He's going to apply something that is divine to the thing that has been broken in our communities, in those communities, in our communities today. It is going to be a culture that is going to fight against what he has to say. Their culture, like ours, views marriage in a more pragmatic way. Pragmatic way. That, that, it had, that it, there was a give and take. You see, they're, they're, in that culture, women were, in general, of very little value. They were of little value and of little personhood. They were as much property as they were persons. A woman had to answer to either her, her dad or her, her, her husband. That was required. And so now Peter is speaking into that culture and saying that culture is wrong. There is a way to redeem this marriage. And so he's speaking to Christians and saying, don't look at the way the world is doing marriage. I want you to look at the way that God says to do marriage. It says, firstly, that, that women are... They answer to God. That's, the, that's who they answer to. Secondly, a woman can influence. She has the power to affect the eternal good of her husband. You see, the, the value of, of a woman is, is growing higher. She has the power to affect the eternal destiny of her husband. A woman can be a full-fledged gospel keeper. Now, that may be easy for us to think about today, but when he's writing this, people were saying, what are you talking about? No, no, a, a woman is a, has, a, has all value that a man has. He, they are full-fledged gospel keepers. Uh, they are priests with the others in the holy dwelling of God. They are true worshipers. And he's saying that there is a, a grand beauty to women that you, you might just look at the outside and think by a woman getting dressed up and wearing beautiful things, that that is her beauty. Her, that is not the beauty that God is looking at, that God is looking at her heart, her actions. And so we should do the same. He, he says that we should see women as courageous, that they will be facing, these wives will be fr- uh, facing Frightening times. He says, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because the, the, women, the women in this church, some would be married to men who were not Christians. 
And so it would just be assumed that these women would follow the God of your husband. There'd be a lot of trouble if there was not. But Peter is saying, no, you, go, you don't go over to the other gods. In this, you have to say no. But you still have the responsibility to love and honor your husband, even though he is not honorable. <laughs> even though he's not acting honorably. Even though he is not of the faith. You have some power. You have influence on him. And you don't influence him by yelling at him. You don't influence him by by rebelling against him. No, you influence him by being the best, like we started about, the best citizen, the best wife that he could have. And by doing so, it, in, in, in contrary to the fact that you are in disagreement, by loving him in the midst of the disagreement, by serving him in the midst of the disagreement, you're showing a love that is profound and different from the culture around them. This says, hey, wake up! There's something unique happening in the heart of this woman. But he has to say, you're not like the rest of these women. <laughs> what is that thing that you have? And she can say, it is Jesus Christ. I'm doing this because I love you, but I love my Savior, and I'm willing to give my life. That'll slap a man across the face. As we hear about the responsibilities of the woman to the man, we also see, in verse 7, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So this is the fourth time he said, Likewise. And when he's saying likewise, he's saying pay attention to all the stuff above it. Because he's saying, now if you are a citizen, then live as the best citizen. If you are a slave or an employee, live as the best one. If you are a wife, live in, live in such a way that is honoring to God. And if you are a husband, see in all the other relationships, it didn't deal with a person in authority. It didn't say governors, kings, you ought to act right. It didn't say masters, you ought to act right. But here it says, this relationship is somewhat unique against the others. Now husbands, I want to speak to you. I want you to know that you need to have this same attitude of submission. Now it's not the same attitude in the way the woman is submitting to the authority of the man, but it is a, a submissive spirit. In keeping with what, what uh, Philippians 2 says, this is Paul tells the people, the, the church at Philippi, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but for the interest of others. Have this kind of attitude that's in Christ Jesus. And so he's saying, husbands, you see all the stuff that happened above? That applies to you too. That you are to love and honor your wife. That you are to submit your desires and your wills. Put them under control in Jesus Christ. This is the first time you're hearing this. this the, the role of the one who is in authority, the one who is called to be subject, a subject of. You see, our marriages should be a witness to the holiness of God. It is a picture of those who are living the way of Christ. 
It is a tangible picture for the world around to see the love of God's people for each other. The work of God's people in Christ Jesus it is the work of the priests, the priestesses of this holy nation. And the world looks at what we're doing and thinks we're nuts. It, it bucks up against these scriptures and, and wonders, how can this be? This, this is a throwback to an archaic way. In our culture today, our culture says all kinds of things, right? says that men and we, women are the same. Or you can choose whether you are a man or a woman. There's great confusion. And that being submissive, being subject, encourages the abuse. This is not the way of God's people. We can freely admit that there are men, there are husbands who see them Selves as God. Requiring submission. That's not what these scriptures are saying. That we are to require submission. Romans 2, 4 says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. You think, I think about Darth Vader. Remember for those Star Wars people in that scene where he gets mad at somebody, he does this, you know, and they start lifting up in the air and because they are not submissive to the dark side. And so there is a sense uh, that men have taken that they are, they are gods of their home. And so they can require submission. Yeah, that is a, a kind of man who gives in to his passions who forces submission. He is a, a kind of man that Peter's already spoken against. A kind of man who uses his physical strength, his vessel, to dominate. Whether it's his physical strength or his voice. Instead of forcing, he should be honoring. This is how the marriage relationship is redeemed. Honoring. He's told to honor his wife. Honor his wife. In a culture where there was no honoring of wives. What does it mean to honor our wives, brothers? It means to give attention to, recognize the goodness, the right actions, respecting the circumstances in which our wives live. You know, have you ever watched diving uh, uh, on ESPN or something? And so... The goal of diving is for them to twist and turn and spin or whatever. And then the big thing is when they enter the water, you want a big splash or a little splash? Little splash. Smaller the splash, the bigger the score. And so they do their thing, and then they dive in, and sometimes they go, poof, poof, that would be me. And sometimes they go, poof, and when they go, poof, that's like, like tens, nines and tens. Like, oh, man, they did really well. And then you look at the final score, and you see the guy who made the plaplash, or the lady who made the plaplash, actually has a higher score than the person who made the piplish. Why is that? Because not only are they looking at how big a splash they've made, they've also looked to see the degree of difficulty. And it's a multiplier. 
So husbands, as we are honoring our wives, and sometimes we see a bigger splash than you like, and you're, you're frustrated, you need to stop for a moment and realize the degree of difficulty. Amen? Like, wait a minute. You, 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 get, you need to understand your wives. You need to understand the season they're in, the situation they're in. And so you come home and maybe the, the house is not in array and your wife's been working all day long. And you go, splash, splash. You know, degree of difficulty here. So you look for those things. You honor your wives. Honor looks at the results. Honor looks at the life. Looks at the degree of difficulty and honors all those things. I think maybe we're learning as husbands that our wives go through a lot. And they have to do that. When he says a weaker vessel, that doesn't mean that they are weaker in intelligence or value, lesser in value. They are just physically Men are physically stronger, so they have a, a greater kind of power over women in the area of physicality. And that women do this. You know, you think that women, it says that women have a weaker vessel, but get a man sick, right? I mean, I think that's amazing how women, like, they're feeling bad and they're still running the household, wives, mothers. Have you noticed that? I don't know how that happens. Like, I want to go hide when I'm sick, but they keep going. Like, yeah, I've had 103 temperature all day. Oh, my. But you know what? Women have a lot of power themselves. It says they're the weaker vessel, but they have something, they have some things in general that, and sometimes trump the physical uh, capabilities of men. The words that you ladies use sometimes. Some of you have so many words. And you have to be careful. Men oftentimes are slower processors. That's just being generous, by the way, guys, when I say that. We can't keep up with the words. And so you can win an argument oftentimes. Amen. We're all twisted and... Women also have a different kind of power, too, that a, a volatility or expressing their emotions that men, men don't have oftentimes that ability to express like that. Amen. So you two wives recognize you have a responsibility to fight fair with us. We have a responsibility to fight fair with you. We are our own kind of weak vessels. Amen. Amen. We, we, we men, men also, as you see in Ephesians, when it talks about the the, women, uh, the, the men are to love their wives, and the wives are to respect their hu husbands. You know, us men, I don't know what it is. We, we just crave that respect and honor. And you have the power to give or withhold from us. And we have the saying, we can either give or withhold our love from you. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Understanding way. Understand your wife. The word, this word understanding means to gain knowledge through experience and learning. Live with your wives. Live with your live, wives. Don't let them be alone. Some of the wives are saying amen quietly under their breath so their husbands don't hear 
because they're being honoring to you right now. Don't leave your wives alone. Uh, learn your wife. Think about her. Consider her. It's often joked that uh, women are complicated and that guys don't know what they're thinking. Right? So guys, don't use that as an excuse. Learn your wives. Honor them by knowing them. Honor them by knowing them, not just knowing what bothers you about them, but learn them. Don't just throw your hands up and say, ah, they're a mystery. But learn them. Know their ways. Their, what affects their hearts. What's honoring to them. Husbands, don't retreat to your man cave. Don't retreat to the golf courts or the bar. Don't re retreat to the pages of a book, the gym, or the lake in order to keep from engaging your wife. Ephesians 5 tells uh, husbands that they are to love their wives like their own bodies. And, and when you feel that desire to retreat men, let that be a trigger for you to say, hmm, what about my wife? I'm not telling you that you need to get away, guys. We just had a getaway uh, last weekend, a weekend ago. And it was great. And a lot of the wives said, that was so wonderful for my husband. He needs to get away. But don't let your retreat be an excuse to not engage your wife. We are to live with them. Live with them in an understanding way. Men, learn to know the differences between men and women. Men, learn to... Learn what it is. What is the knowledge of God's principles and practices, God's purpose for your relationship? We should always be learning. You know what? I've got to be a witness of that, a redeemer. I've got to see women who have loved their husbands well and respected them and honored them even when they weren't honorable and acting very respectful. I've seen how it's, it's moved their hearts, the men's hearts. Amen. That they have faced difficult moments with their husbands, and they've done it with courage. You see, when we look at that, we say, that's more beautiful than anything you could wear. There's this, there's this thing Peter keeps talking about, gold. And whenever he says gold, you think that it's something that endures. He's saying, no, gold, shiny things, they don't last. But what lasts is this kind of attitude in women that is the way of Christ. It is this attitude in men that is the way of Christ. These are the things that endure forever. I've seen this happen as men. I've seen men at Redeemer think about their wives. Consider their wives. Even when I, 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 I challenged to come do this or that or come to this thing, and they said, hold on, let me... Let me see how that's going to affect my wife, what she needs. In football, the, the middle linebacker is the guy who sits back on the defense, and he's like the quarterback of the defense. And 
He has to be really careful as he's going up and down the line because there are other things that are trying to trip him up all the time. But he has a great responsibility, the quarterback of the defense. And so the coach always says, uh, Mike Linebacker, that's what they call him, put your head on a swivel. I mean, to keep going back and forth like this. You got to know what's going around all the time. Men, we are to be middle linebackers. So we're supposed to keep our heads on the swivel. We're to, to pay attention to what's going on in our lives, in the lives of our children, in the lives of our family, in the lives of our, our wives. Head on the swivel. Understanding the, the times. And, and then finally, for, for the family of God to come together. How do you live with such great challenges? The strength of such holy living, which oftentimes means you have to give up the, the immediate pleasures or what you desire in the moment, means that we have to have a powerful prayer life, a prayer life that continues to ask for the miraculous, for changed hearts in our spouse, for changed hearts in ourselves, and changed hearts of our children. It is a, a prayer life that endures hardship, asking for a miraculous work of courage and for frightening situations. I'll close by this as a, a warning to the, the men in the church. There can be a short circuit to that powerful ministry of prayer, though. He says, men, that we should conduct uh, ourselves towards our wife because it affects our relationship with the Father. It short circuits the spiritual work that is being done. If if we, on one hand, come and we pray for the miraculous and for things to change both in our lives and the lives of others, as we come and we look for there to be the great change in the church and in the world around us, as we live out that life of exiles, if we are not taking care of our wives, there's a, a break in the fellowship with our wives, there's a break in the fellowship with our Lord. And it encumbers our prayers. We have thrown up barriers in our relationships our relationship with our father, and our relationship with our wives. So be careful. There's a lot at stake. Love your wives. Wives, fall under this leadership of your husbands as unto the Lord. And we will see the people of God in exile live out a holy calling in hostile times that we might find redemption in this place. Amen.